Hi, everybody, and welcome back. It's Krista Living Sober, and we're here for my next episode. Enjoy. Crystal Living Sober podcast. Today we have Rebecca L. Edwards joining us. And I'm so happy to have you on my podcast. So thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Mm-hmm. Of course. Thank you for uh, reaching out to me when I was going through a rough time as well. That meant so much to me. And I love all these connections that in the recovery scene that I'm meeting online. And it's been super supportive. Absolutely. And I, I, I was overwhelmed to reach out to you. And I, I was like, I hope she doesn't think I'm crazy. But I, 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 I felt you like so passionately, I could feel exactly what you were. Well, not I couldn't say exactly, but I, I, I felt the need to reach out and just say, Hey, listen, I, I've been there. I know what it feels like. So just to make that that bridge of connection can be so powerful. Thank you so much. Uh-huh. You're a transformational life coach and public speaker and author. Would you like to start off by telling the audience and listeners a little bit about yourself, where you're from, where you live now, and what you do for a living? Sure. Well, I think he stated it perfectly. I assume, Well, let's just say as soon as I embraced recovery and I found that there was a, a new way to live, I decided to give myself over to that power that I call God. And uh, from there, I just had the opportunity to become the person that I really wanted to become, which was uh, when I was going through the hardest times, I was, I would journal. So when I would journal, it would allow things, I guess, from the depths of my subconscious mind to, you know, kind of pop up and say, Hey, listen, this is what we need to focus and work on. So that just led to one thing and another thing. And it was great because I got to um, journal and through journaling, I was like, Hey, I know that there's something more powerful that I can do with my story and my voice. So I wrote a book. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. And (laughs) I, you know, just now embarking on you know, expanding on that and expanding on that meant to, you know, help people transform some of those um, outdated beliefs and the things that we were handed down. So I said, what's another way that I can empower myself and help others at the same time? And that was to be a transformational life coach. So, um, and it's just, it's so rewarding. And I'm currently in Florida. So and we're getting a You're freeze. <laughs> You guys don't get snow, right? (laughs) Uh, Well, you know, it's supposed to be like 31 or 30. I know that I have plants that aren't going to like it. I don't think it's ever really snowed in Florida. I can't remember it. I've been here almost all my life, but Mm -hmm. hence my little fuzzy sweater. (laughs) Yeah, it's like a blizzard outside in Rhode Island right now. (laughs) I know. I saw that. That, That's, you guys are probably sick of that, but I'm thinking like, that would be awesome. Yeah. No, I would love warm weather right now. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's going to be, I think, 31 or 30 tonight and then um like yeah that's 50 cold w- for florida i know right <laughs> yeah you are the author and you have a book out called the net n-e-t-t yes uh, new evolution and thinking for teens can you tell us a little bit about your book yeah um that was just a, it was a passion project and i believe it was my eighth year of sobriety i was just sitting outside and I felt not disconnected from God or my recovery, but I've kind of felt disconnected for a bigger purpose. So I meditated and, you know, when they say, be careful what you ask for, I asked for an enlightenment. I asked for, you know, more guidance and a more divine purpose. And I was sitting there and I remember I had my phone listening to music and all of a sudden this title came, the idea came, the, um, it's almost like the whole book wrote itself. So I grabbed Evernote and I just started, I would almost say that it was channeled. I just started speaking what I was hearing, feeling, and experiencing. And I decided to dedicate myself to it. So I ended up a year and a half and it's the net, the new evolution and thinking for teens. And it's seven powerful tools to help you rise above trauma. 
and I have a picture of it here yeah show it yeah I love that um and I I had you know I had all these high hopes and it actually came out in June of 2020 so that was like at the height of the pandemic Mm -hmm. so I had to really just step back and say okay I wrote this book it's a passion project it it you know took a lot of coordination a lot of time I chose an independent author out of Pennsylvania so that I could create a workshop based upon it. And I'm really glad that I did because I've been working in conjunction with nonprofit agencies that help um, teenagers, uh, mostly uh, females who have been trafficked and are drug addicted and um, have substance abuse, mental health. And I just had a call the other day, a Zoom and I had worked with this organization organization before, and she I gave her, sent her a copy of my book, and you know she was talking about how impactful it was for her, and that she would start using because she was looking for something that would be able to help teenagers in that you know it's, it's our numbers are going up in the wrong direction for females, yeah, teen yeah. mental health, substance abuse, trauma, um, especially trafficking, sex trafficking, which is a huge thing. So it just made me feel so good that. Even if I change the heart and mind and projection, like trajectory of just one person that was feeling the way that I felt, then it would, it would just make, it would just make so much sense. It would just feel so great to be able to take all those journalings, all those articles, all that time and effort into writing something from my heart and then having it to help others. So that's beautiful. I love how you address from adolescent and teenage years, because there's a lot of trauma that inexperiences that happen to us when we're younger and then it has such great impacts on us as we're older oh absolutely like a lot of like myself included I was born into a family that had existing trauma they were in denial so it's almost like when you're born into a family that has dysfunction in that way alcohol sexual abuse trauma that the cycle will repeat itself and it will continue to get hand down because as a baby you don't really know as a child when things are happening to you, you really can't process that either. So that cycle of trauma and abuse will continue unless the cycle is broken. So in recovery, I heard many times, um, you know, be who, be that person, be who you needed when you were younger. And I was like, this is exactly what I needed when I fell through the cracks. Um, I, I didn't get the help that I needed and rock bottom came when it came. So So if you don't mind me asking, um, how is your childhood or family dynamic growing up? Um, How did it affect you using or drinking? It was traumatic. Uh, Definitely born into a family with cycles of dysfunction, abuse, addiction, unspoken of. Because back then, you know, a little bit older than I think most of the community on Instagram. But um, it wasn't talked about, you know, it wasn't brought into the light. So these cycles would keep, you know, repeating themselves. So at an early age, my parents divorced, um, kind of taken away from my birth father. Uh, my mom ended up marrying this man and I instant, I'm very intuitive and I instantly knew that he was going to harm me, but I didn't know what capacity. And that's really, really burdensome for a child, very traumatic. And uh, there ended up being sexual abuse and it happened, you know, for about six years. And when it got to be too much, I decided that I would model the behavior of the adults in my home. I watched them drink. So I think it's very common that kids start drinking at an early age to escape. And I did that. Um, I was 12 and then I was this, you know, teen that was reacting to all the situations and circumstances in my life not knowing how I felt, why I felt the way that it was. And I had like a thought, a feeling, a trigger, an event. So it was this vicious cycle of, I feel like crap. I don't know what to do. I feel out of control. And as soon as I started drinking alcohol for that brief moment of time, it did, it took away my worries. It took away the anxiety. And I was also labeled as, well, you don't look like you're hurting. You don't look like you're being abused. It was the model family. So it was like, how dare, when I asked for help, I was denied many times because of the way I looked or the way our family dynamic was, you know, the socioeconomic status of my family, which is, that was another trauma on top of all of that. Yeah, I can totally relate to that. I mean, I started my first drink at age 12. Um, I did it as soon as I tasted it to escape because I I instantly felt better and I didn't have to worry about being you know, feelings of abandonment from my birth mother 
you know, growing up in foster care, just, you know, experiencing different types of traumas, but wanting to escape. So, yeah, that's really tough. And 12 is so young. I know. Drinking since 12 to 29, like, that's insane. Well, at least, I mean, 29, I, at 39, I had my spiritual rock bottom. And I've heard many times people say that you don't need a a rock bottom, Mm -hmm. but for me, I did. And you know, I, and I talk about this when I do workshops or I do, you know, speaking events, which I'm actually speaking tonight. So this is perfect because it's just like a segue into yeah. it. But yes, you do have to have a rock bottom. It doesn't need, yeah. I wasn't arrested. I didn't get a DUI. I didn't go to jail. I wasn't bloodied. I wasn't battered. I wasn't riding in the back of a cop car mm-hmm. or an ambulance. I had a spiritual bankruptcy and the way I treated my children I saw a reflection of myself. It was like a near-death experience. Mm -hmm. And I saw a reflection of myself. And I did what it says in the big book. I got on my knees. And, well, I was face down in a puddle of puke, but Mm -hmm. (laughs) barely breathing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I asked for my higher power. I didn't know what it was. I'm like, God, if you're out there, whoever you are, whatever you are, this Mm -hmm. thing that I'm supposed to believe in, I need help. And I got a response right away, which was, yeah, you will die. If you continue on this path, you will die. If you continue drinking, cause your body's shutting down, you, you're mm-hmm. out of control. Is that incomprehensible and more demoralization and instantly circumstances created my willingness to respond and believe, mm-hmm. and it was removed from me. So I'm what they call a one chip wonder. I think people make fun of me in the rooms, <laughs> but lo and behold, let me tell you with all honesty and from my heart, I did all my relapsing before I got into the rooms. I, I, it was 39, literally Mm -hmm. got sober on my 40th birthday. I was in the desert, in the wilderness, lost alone for 40 years, 40 days. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, 40 days, 40 nights. Yeah. Like, (laughs) I mean, for, for years. So for me, it was a relief to find a group of people and I hated God because I thought God hated me. Mm -hmm. So I was retaliating, Mm -hmm. but I found a group of drunks or good orderly direction. Yeah. (laughs) that really helped me put it in perspective because left to my own devices, I needed to have that. Um, it said that for the message to reach an alcoholic, it has to have depth and weight. Yeah. I needed that message to be so deep and so powerful that it would shift my perspective. And that's what it did. Cause I was the most, my rock bottom and it can be anybody's level, but my rock bottom was the spiritual bankruptcy that I would continue to hurt my daughters the way I was hurt. And that I was emotionally abandoned and I didn't want to do that. And that scared me enough. That was worse than going to jail for a D1. That was the most horrific thing because I made a promise to myself not to be like my mom, but lo and behold, mm-hmm. right. left to the circumstances and the cycles of denial and abuse, you know, mm-hmm. the substance abuse. That's where I was headed. Yeah. I mean, I've said that so many times, like, I don't want to end up like my birth mother. Right. You know, when I was a premature baby, she was addicted to crack cocaine. So I was born with that in my system. You know, it was just like that was traumatic in itself. You know, my whole left side didn't function properly. It was just a mess. But I always was like, I won't be like my mom. But I ended up like my mom in a different way. Right. And like you said, it didn't take you like the OUIs, the jail, all that. But for me, that none of that even you know, stopped me from drinking. I would oh, drink no. after getting like in two OUIs, you know, going to jail for that, um, different programs, you name it, whatever happened. But for me, it was a spiritual awakening too that I had in that hospital bed that day. It was like an outer body experience. And I heard something say, it's not your time. And then it like pushed me back into my body. And I was like, okay, like something is telling me like, I need to stop what I'm doing. I need to stop drinking and doing drugs or I'm going to die. So I can feel that so similar. And, you know, many people hear that, feel that, Mm -hmm. experience that, but they still don't listen. So that I think is our most powerful Mm -hmm. experience is our, you know, we're in this meat suit, this vehicle, this vessel, (laughs) we live on planet earth, but we're still, what do they say? We're spiritual beings having a human experience Experience, that you could listen to that. I think it's very powerful. And by the way, you're a beautiful (laughs) pregnant mama. Oh, thank you. (laughs) I love I love to watch how you've like blossomed in this because I do watch you, you know, I, I just, that means a lot to me. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. You do need to hear that because it's just, it's such, such a beautiful, I can't wait to see how this evolves for you.
Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. I don't know. I started doing this because I didn't want people to fail and experience the things that I've experienced and, and felt. So I was like, let me start a podcast. It's kind of easier to reach people, maybe quicker. I don't know. But yeah, I just hope somebody out there can listen and, you know, maybe get something from this. So. Well, and, and absolutely they will, because yeah. as much as I write and I write books and I write articles, sometimes it's great to just sit and read. But also it's great to just be able to listen because, you know, if I'm going through a day, Mm -hmm. I've had a hard time. I, you know, have repeating traumas. Like, and I had a panic attack last night out of left field, have no idea where it came from. So as much work and as much growth and as much um, healing as I've done, there's still things locked up in my subconscious mind, which is why I transfer, I transfer, transform my cat. (laughs) Why I transformed into the transformational life coach is because, there are still those things kicking around in the back of our minds and it, it just hit me. And I, but I, I know now that I have tools and I know what I need to do, but you know, when I get, come on. And when I get my panic attacks, <laughs> it literally feels like I'm going to die. So, yeah. Um, so that's like, if, in li- well, my whole point is saying that before I got distracted by Dexter, I'll show, I'll stand <laughs> oh, he's, he's this is Dexter. Oh, so cute. <laughs> Yeah, he's he's my he's my writing kitty. He sits with me all the so time. I, I know he's like he's all curious. Um, my whole point in saying that is is sometimes we just need to listen. You know, we need to to and be able to unplug and unwind and not read and just be able to lay down and relax. I could never relax when I was active. Could never relax before. And now, if I relax, it's like, oh, you're lazy. Get up, do something, be productive. What the most productive thing I could do is lay down and take care of my body. Yeah. And you'll learn that. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm learning that. Yeah, I am so, from yeah. Miami. I won't okay. say anything about that, but I grew up in Big like party. Miami Beach. Oh yeah. Whatever you could get your hands on while you're drinking, especially when I was younger. But when I was, you know, more mature and I had kids, I was like, um, I started out loving Corona and vodka and stuff, you know, whatever. And at the end of my drinking, it was straight vodka. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Get it in me as Mm -hmm. soon as you put, like I needed to be fast and I needed to be effective. I feel like as it progressed, like it didn't matter what it was just like, yeah. And then, and then towards the end, it was just like, maybe not enough for me, you know, and I'm so glad I quit when I did, because who knows what else I would have gotten into just like a little fear I have. Yeah. It's the gateway, you know, well then now they say trauma is the gateway, which I so truly believe. I agree with that because nobody wants to look at the trauma first in a lot of doctor settings. I don't know the correct term, but like they don't, necessarily always look at the trauma first and they want to just like medicate you and like it's just crazy well and that's why I just graduated two years two two days ago um Mm -hmm. I'm a um, certified hypnotherapist now and I realized Mm -hmm. that with trauma-informed backing and cognitive behavioral and rational emotive behavioral therapy um because you know I went through how many therapists did I go I'm Mm, like eight and I didn't want to get in there and just keep talking about the problem I wanted to find a solution because I didn't like the way I felt so I ended up meeting with a counselor who was trauma-informed absolutely amazing and she helped me reframe a lot of those old outdated beliefs of you know I don't want to talk about the problem I want to get into the solution of the problem so uh, I thought long and hard about it and it was a really hard study but I ended up taking that course so you know you can throw in their hypnotherapist and you know a lot of people are like oh are you trained to do that or what are your qualifications I mean I hear that quite often but now I have the confidence to say my life experience has made me an expert in me. And if yeah. I can share my story, my experience, my strength, and my hope mm-hmm. with somebody else, if I can just help one person, yeah. I don't claim to be a medical doctor. I don't do that, but I'm an inspiration agent. And I know that I wanted mm-hmm. to die and now I'm thriving. I'm living. And I wasn't going to wait till I was dying to learn to want to live. Right. I love that inspiration agent. Yeah, <laughs> I do. <laughs> Somebody asked me the other day, so we're going to do some workshops with your book. We're going to incorporate this, whatever. What does that look like for you? And I was like, well, I only know my experience. I only know what I've been gifted by God to do. Yeah. And that is to be me. And the authentic me is sharing my experience, strength and hope in the language that I know. And that's getting to the root of the problem, helping people in a meditative state in trauma informed care. Yeah. So how does um, hypnotherapy? Yeah. How does that work? Well, hypnotherapy is, it's a relaxation 
or a, it shuts off your critical thinking. So there's a process and um, working with, and uh, it's such a great way to dig deeper. And it's such a great way to undo what was handed down to us, false beliefs, false thinking. When we come, you know, to earth, I believe we have this uh, opportunity and this ability to work on things that, you know, those are our experiences. So when things are handed to you that don't necessarily originate from you, we get stuck in a looping pattern. Like for me, I was born into a family with denial, lying, dysfunction, abuse, abandonment. Don't talk about it, which perpetuated my trauma. So when I got sober and I went through counseling and I went through the things that were really important for me, it was extremely beneficial to have people who thought outside of the box. So when I went to this lady who was teaching me these things, that's when I started to, that's when the rubber met the road. You know, that's when I started to really understand about, you know, digging out the root cause, what lies beneath and then moving forward. So hypnotherapy is like a meditation. It's a deep state of relaxation. You can go into a theta, which is where your mind is highly suggestible. We all know that the mind learns by repetition. So you, um, I, would take I take people back through some scenes in their life and if they're extremely traumatic which mine was you get to review it you don't relive it then you can attach a new meaning to it and when you attach a new meaning to it you realize that you know my mom and that man she married didn't set out to destroy my life they were sick people repeating cycles and patterns that were taught to them so I internalized that as I was bad which may, meant that I was not worthy, I was not enough, and what I wanted was not available to me. So hypnotherapy goes in, can rearrange and you know, rewire and recode. You erase, you eradicate, you eliminate those false no. beliefs that don't belong to you. And then you get to move forward with imprinting and in, installing new beliefs. And then I give you a transformational recording that you listen to for 21 days. And it's really like having your own cheerleader. No, that sounds amazing. It, I'm so I'm excited. Like, look at my face. I'm like getting warm just talking about it because, wow. like, my my energy rises and I just feel empowered. And I know I just had a, a client this morning, and it was so empowering. Um, wow. And just just to have that intake call with her and know that you know I can help her reframe and rethink and you know create her new beliefs on who she's become wow. as a young mother struggling with alcohol. Can I be a client? Yeah. <laughs> so you can do it like over the oh, yeah. internet? Okay. Yeah. It doesn't have to be in person. Nope. Um, and actually, I think it's better to do it over, we call it zoomosis, mm-hmm. like hypnosis, yeah. because you're in your own comfortable setting. You don't have to drive. I mean, I don't know how much therapy you've went through, but I've went through a lot. A lot of therapists. <laughs> I had a four-hour session with the lady I'm speaking of who helped me with trauma and form. I, it was so, it was so life-changing and emotionally and spiritually moving that I couldn't drive for like half an hour afterwards. Like I was just exhausted. So when you do it over zoom, um, you know, there is protocol and I walk you through all this. And then afterwards you'll have the transformational recording Mm -hmm. and you'll, we'll do that together. And then you get to just be in your own natural safe environment and you can go right to sleep and take a nap. while your cells heal yeah that's amazing when i was away the last episode i had i was thinking of getting electromagnetic therapy if i don't need the medication if i don't need that like that sounds amazing yeah no therapy i'll look into that well and it's we'll have a conversation outside of this and i'll work with you (laughs) and you can share your testimony but you know here's the most important thing is that we have a thought a thought triggers a feeling a feeling triggers an action and an action triggers an event so, you know, you, you think, you feel, you act in the event. So I would feel in my thought, I would feel unworthy. I would feel not good enough. I would feel damaged, broken, unseen, invisible. Um, I was in so much pain. That thought would create the, the, the feeling that, yes, I'm internalizing this. I'm bad. I'm unwanted. I'm unlovable. I'm hopeless. I'm inadequate. I can't be fixed. That would trigger the action, which was, oh, okay, I'm going to make myself feel better. I'm going to go get a drink. I'm going to take away all these things that I can't control. And then the event is blackout, chaos, destruction, Mm -hmm. sadness, self-loathing, incomprehensible demoralization. 
you know the the remorse yeah. the guilt the shame so when you can yeah. fi- that's the cycle when you can yeah, fix I call that. that the never-ending cycle <laughs> it's just like I was stuck in that <laughs> yeah and I think a lot of people who are, are have addiction and trauma they do get stuck in that because yeah. those are the three components I'm not enough I'm not worthy and what I want is not available to me mm. you have to fix that could you tell us a little bit about the spiritual awakening that you experienced that was your rock bottom for you to get sober yeah I had I uh, was just thinking about that this morning mm-hmm. I woke up that morning and all I wanted to do was drink myself to death mm-hmm. that's alcoholic insanity got my kids ready my husband at the time went to the beach tons of corona that was my thing at the beach mm-hmm. and I drank and drank and drank and drank five o'clock wasn't enough went to a local place i live in uh, sarasota like you know the beaches are beautiful yeah. so what do you do you go to a restaurant you get a bucket of ten dollar you know oh yeah you get you get a bucket of coronas and you continue and then that wasn't enough because that hole was empty yeah. i didn't know it so i was trying to pour more ended up going out and that was my rock bottom is that i was i was in a blackout already, but I do remember being in the shower, slipping and falling because I was getting ready to go out. Cause you know, oh. and, um, I ended up, my kids were like begging me not to go. They were crying and I ended up put, taking my foot when they were behind the door and I had walked outside, pushing them away with like kicking them away. Like, you know, I need to go drink and leaving them. But it turns out that my babysitter at the time was, like 30 years sober (laughs) she was watching this went out um and I remember being at the bar and they were having a martini special and that's all I drank because it's got to be quick and painless and I had two in my hand and I drank them like one after you know I was like double fisted and I went to the bathroom and threw up Mm -hmm. and I was so pissed off because I had a mission I wanted to I couldn't stop the pain I didn't know what to do so I was going to silence it for good and I just kept drinking and I went back out and I ordered two more and puked, ordered two more. Like it must, I, it was insane. Mm-hmm. And that night I had alcohol poisoning and almost didn't wake up. And that's when mm-hmm. I was laying down and it's a, I just keep, you know, they say, never forget your last da- drunk. Yeah. I haven't, mm-hmm. I don't lament over it. I use it as a catalyst to make myself grateful Mm-hmm. So that's, that's when I had the spirit experience with the Christ consciousness, as it talks about in the big book, the spiritual awakening. Okay. And I just was like, God, I don't know who you are. I don't know if you're really out there, but if you are, I'm, I'm going to die and I need help. And the voice that came back was, yeah, you will die right. if you don't change. And then I saw a blue butterfly. Wow. And from then on, that blue butterfly was my spiritual I don't know, like life sticker, yeah. like my gift. And I saw it in my counselor that I went to. I saw it in, um, wow. I wrote, uh, I was a co-author in two books before mine. And there's butterflies on the cover. Like it just was so serendipitous. It yeah. was so beautiful. And that's kind of like with my book, like yeah. the phoenix rising from the ashes, which it. was like mm-hmm. really, that was my spiritual experience. I had made contact with that. Yeah, it's you like know, divine you can't explain content. it. <laughs> yeah I mean as best as I could say those words but that feeling lives yeah. with me to this day and it keeps me incredibly grateful I agree that gives me chills <laughs> yeah well it sounds like you had almost the same thing in the hospital yeah, bed. it was similar that voice I mean I, I don't know what happened because it's just like I blacked out and there's just like missing I don't know I can't remember for the life of me what happened but I just remember just waking up but not like fully like myself yeah I just woke up into that out into that out-of-body experience yeah and then whatever happened and then it pushed me back into reality but yeah yeah I mean I'm so glad it happened I mean it could be my it could be God it could be my dad it could be I don't even know you know but whatever it was it was like it's not your time yeah and I'm like okay like wow you know yeah yeah you're here for a purpose and that's I guess yeah and it's yeah. just like <laughs> Okay. You, you're, you're growing life. That is a huge purpose. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so happy to be a sober mom. Like, oh. it's just an amazing gift I get to receive and go through right now. So I'm so it, grateful. It really is. Like my, like I said, my kids were five and seven when I got sober. Yeah. They have like a, a trauma from that night. And I, well, and here's the crazy thing. I only drank crazy for a year. Wow. Like 
out of control drinking for a year, maybe a year and a half max. But before that, I was a high functioning alcoholic. Yeah. And it's and it's interesting because the day that my daughter turned six, that was the year that I was sexually assaulted. Mm. That is when I had a psychic and spiritual split. And there's many people who say that that can happen. Um, lots of authors and people who are in the trauma. Bessel van der Kolk is one of them. The body keeps the score. My body remembered that physical trauma and seeing my daughter so beautiful, so carefree, so young, so innocent. It, I had a psychological break and I could almost feel it happening. And that's when I asked for help. And I, you know, here's a crazy thing. I went to a psychiatrist, I mean, um, psychologist, counselor. Yeah. I would show up drunk. I would show up five martinis in and never once did she address my drinking. That's where, you know, I've had counselors that have been amazing. Right. But I think for a lot of people, from my experience in particular, that it was very important they be trauma informed. Yeah, that makes sense. They didn't, my girls did not see me. And, and I, I tell you what, man, there it does make a difference. So congratulations. And what a gift you're giving. I'm your excited. Child. I'm getting really nervous because I'm like, can I do this? But I know, of course you I, can, you know, I'm sober. I can do anything because I'm sober. Well, here's an energetic thing. Ener- um, fear and excitement have mm-hmm. the same energetic oh, yeah, vibration. Do, yeah. When you, when you say that, oh, I, when you start to feel that fear, just like I said, that looping mm-hmm. thought, get in there recode it rewrite it restate it to yourself where i'm so excited yeah (laughs) i will do that yeah but it's okay to be nervous too but (laughs) just we'll start that looping thought in a positive direction yeah thank you yeah so how long have you been sober um i two thousand four four two thousand eleven was my sobriety date so i think eleven I can't do the math right now. Yeah. No, that's amazing. That's awesome. (laughs) No, that's so inspiring when people have like so many years. I can't wait to get there. Well, and people used to say time takes time. And I would be like, oh, I hate that. Yeah. (laughs) Because I wanted to. But you you know, being I'm an Aries and I'm impatient. My daughter's going to be an Aries. Oh, good. What's the due date? (laughs) Um, April 3rd. Oh, I love it. Love it. Aries are very just, you know what? Let her pretend she's the boss. Okay. (laughs) I have an endless, I I don't offer parenting advice, but I have a lot of solutions if you're ever interested. (laughs) Time takes time. Yeah. And uh, being, you know, I, like I said, you know, people still make fun of me for being a one chip wonder, but you know, am I still on the pink cloud? I don't know. All I know is I felt like utter hell. I felt, I mean, my story, and I, this is what I tell the, the, the youngsters that I speak to and the people that I speak to, I have a different story than you. You have a different story than the yeah. person next to you. We all have different stories, but the fun, the foundation of that, guilt, shame, depression, rage, anger, abandonment, all of those things have a, the same energetic vibration. I can key into that. I can understand that. So, um, you know, just being sober, no matter what, how much time I have, like, I'm just so grateful that I'm not stuck in that cycle of insanity. So, um, and like I said, when people make fun of me for being a one chip wonder, <laughs> uh, I just, I, I laugh because yeah. you know what? I'm like, I, it's not better out there. I don't need to go yeah. do, uh, you know, controlled drinking experiments. I just, yeah. and I don't even like the mocktails because no, my, no, my brain either. doesn't know, honestly. Yeah. Like, and I, I talk to a lot of people. It's kind of triggering for me. It's, it's a, like uh, a wine yeah. bottle as a mocktail or like the bear bottles. I don't know. It's just, it's not for me. <laughs> yeah. And if you're sober curious, I think that's amazing. Yeah. If had, I known that that was an option, right. You know, they, we, that wasn't when I was drinking that, mm-hmm. I mean, trust me, I, I was a part-time server for years. I got sober bartending. I mean, talk yeah. about the power of God taking away mm-hmm. that desire to drink. Mm-hmm. I would come home crying and I'd be just like, oh, and I'd walk right to the shower because I felt so dirty. I had, you know, alcohol on me, but I was a single yeah. mom with two kids. I had to do the next right thing so I could provide for them. I just, mm-hmm. I know how bad it felt to be out there. And I never, ever, ever want to feel like that again. And I never want my kids to, to have to worry about whether I'm ever going to come home alive, you know, if I go out drinking, if, if it was, you know, that day was going to be the day. Yeah, I agree with that so much. 
No, I don't wish anything I felt before I was sober on anybody. It was miserable. Yeah, I can totally agree with that. I recently just went back on medication because I had that incident in September where I just like lost it and I knew I needed help. So I put myself in like a place and yeah, I'm so glad I'm on medication for a little bit, you know, and I hope that it helps because that depression, like I just can't seem to get rid of it. And I'm, I don't want to worry about the postpartum depression. So yeah, don't don't invite that energy in. It is a real yeah. thing. Like mm-hmm. I I, I did not experience like... it, but mm-hmm. um, one of the one of the beautiful young women that I'm working with did experience it, and it's real. Just but you know, keying into your you know you're sober, mm-hmm. so you're feeling your emotions, you're feeling yeah. what it feels like. That's I think when you have more of an understanding. Okay, I don't mm-hmm. I don't understand what this is, and and to ask for help. And sounds like you have a really supportive partner are you guys married mm-hmm. yeah. we're engaged engaged we were gonna okay. do the and we got pregnant so yeah maybe yeah. first <laughs> yeah he and is he's sober too then that is that is that is a wonderful support system absolutely absolutely yeah, fabulous it's so helpful and yeah so supportive so yeah yeah Get a lot of blessings. And we're, we were talking the other night. So we're, you know, with us, we're breaking our families, like the generational curses. Mm-hmm. Or, so it ends with us, the whole addiction, hopefully, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Well, if they don't see it, they don't know it. I right. repeated, I repeated the sins of my family or the trauma of my family mm-hmm. because that's what I saw. Yeah. Those things are taught, you know, mm-hmm. a baby doesn't wake up and come out of the womb and go, Hey, you know, I want to have a drink today. You know, right. It's like, that's true. there is the genetic thing, but there's mm-hmm. also, I believe God can heal us in many ways. Oh, and yeah. if you, you know, take the physical action, then the rest will follow. Mm-hmm. That's what I believe. I agree. So what are some of the steps that you took to get sober? Uh, well, rock bottom, um, mm-hmm. spiritual awakening. And so did I w- you go to like a detox or no. any programs? You kind of no, just- I had that, that moment mm-hmm. in, in my garage with death and mm-hmm. life, life and death, death and God. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was like, okay. Uh, what do I do now? You know, I felt so lost. I felt rudderless, like just wandering the world. Um, and then a friend of mine who actually, well, an acquaintance, I bumped into her and I'm like, how do you, how do you not drink? Like, what is it? So she took me to a meeting and I remember it was the Oasis uh, on Tuttle and I walked in and I was like, Oh God, where am I? And then, you know, it's like you walk into a, to a room and it's a bunch of people who would probably never, ever congregate together. They yeah. opened that big book and they were reading a story about a woman who was a drunk. Um, and she woke up at six she didn't, or five and whatever. She didn't know if it was 5 PM or five, 5 AM she disoriented and lost. And I was like, you know, crying and tearing. And that's when I took my white chip. Cause I was like, Hey, uh, whatever the hell just happened here, I completely 100% identified with everything that was read in that book. And then they're like, you know, you want to come back? And I'm like, Oh, do I like, <laughs> and so, and she said, so do you think you might fit in here? And I'm like, I'm looking at her. I'm like, Oh, in my mind, I'm like screaming. Oh my God, do I fit in here? But the other part of me was like yeah. the stigma. Like, what does that look like? And then, um, on July 4th of 2011, I had 90 days and I was just beside myself because there was so much drinking around me. And I went to a, one, another AA meeting that I found and it was, I walked in and I was like, I just felt the presence there and I like listened to everybody in the meeting and I was like on the table crying, like, like sobbing, like ugly yeah. cries. Sobbing. They were, they were so excited. And I'm like, what the hell is wrong with you people? Like, why does this excite you? Right. And they're like, because you're going to, you're most likely going to make it because you have the gift of gift of desperation. And yeah. it was so powerful because I felt for the first time that I was finally accepted by a bunch of people that I didn't mm-hmm. have to say everything they actually knew how I felt from being there so that and then I I stuck to AA like that was just my feeling is like no other yeah finally like wow I mean there's people out there like me because I don't know what it is but we feel so alone even though we're not but yeah yeah in the room well when you're suffering yeah yeah. when you're suffering you feel like nobody else can understand you and here's the thing I didn't know what an alcoholic was an alcoholic Mm -hmm. is somebody who can't drink safely Mm mm-hmm 
that's what that was me. I it wasn't the I wasn't hiding bottles of vodka in my toilet. I didn't have the brown bag. I wasn't yeah. homeless. I had a house, I had a car, Same. two cars, kids. You know, I didn't I didn't know what that meant. I didn't understand alcoholism. Yeah. Um even though my family suffered for it, everybody pretended it wasn't happening. So when I you know, actually was like what the hell's an alcoholic? They're like, well, it's somebody who can't drink safely. You know, it's somebody this or it's somebody that. And I'm like, oh, oh, that would be me. You know, one is too many and a thousand is not enough. Yeah. I was like, oh, I mean, I had so many like mind blowing moments. I was, yeah. I was just like, I couldn't wait to go back and see what they were saying. I wanted to prove, I wanted to see what these people were talking about because I didn't believe it. I didn't believe that you could actually be happy without drinking. That's mm-hmm. all I knew. But then everything starts aligning and synchronizing. So yeah, anyway, and then well, and then to be honest, you had to feel mm-hmm. shit. You know, I had to feel stuff for the first time, and I remember for the first month I was in AA, I would go home and cry, like yeah. cry, cry. And I went to a counselor, so I got spiritual, physical, mental, um, emotional support, and I I was basically unemployable, but I was still working as a bartender. Um, and then I went to serving because it's what a great way to to. Yeah be present for your family, um, you know, um, but the industry can be, you know, full of drugs and alcohol, but oh, yeah. not where I was. Mm-hmm. So that was, it was a yeah, really the good same thing. thing happened to me too. Right yeah. from the, out of the sober living house I was in, I found a restaurant called India, Indian food. And they were pretty, they were so nice off the bat and there was no like major partying or drugs or anything like that in the restaurant. And so yeah. I, I could feel safe around serving alcohol and being yeah. sober. So I get that. Well, see, and that's why I knew that whatever this was had taken root in my soul because I heard people like avoiding alcohol aisles and doing all this crazy stuff. And it just never hit me like that. It never bothered me. And I would like be around alcohol and I worked Thursday, Friday, Saturday night while my kids were with their dad. So it was awesome because I, I got to feel like I was out in the world, but I didn't have right. to drink. <laughs> and I would watch people get sick and throw up. And it would, it, that, that for me, I think was a really huge blessing because it was like, oh my God, like I don't have to do that anymore. And plus where I was working, I was crying one day and the girl's like, are you okay? And I'm like, I don't know how to live. Like I'm sober. She goes, I am too. So there was yeah. like four people there who were sober. And I was like, oh my God, I would have never known. So it was a really, it was this little safe haven. It was pretty cool. That's awesome. We're always like guided in that direction. Do you still have all that support today in your life that you Absolutely. had during recovery? I have, I have more than when I started. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And I've, I've, my circle's small. Like yeah, my too. sponsor put me on a no dating rule. I'm like, really? Yeah. <laughs> it turned out to be, I'm still single because you know, I'm in love with myself. I had yeah. a boyfriend in third grade from the time I was that. Yeah. I, yeah. I never wanted to be with just me, but now I'm like, oh my God, like, oh, I love me. Yeah. I mean, well, we have to love ourselves first. It's so important. Yeah. That took a lot of work. That it, took it, it a does lot take a lot of work, but yeah. it's so important. Yeah. Me and my fiance, when we first started dating, we were like, we put God first, like our higher power, and then ourselves and then each other because, and that's just what works for us. Yeah. That, I was the opposite before I yeah. just started dating myself. I was like, you're broken. Oh, what a great, <laughs> I'm going to fix you because you're just as dysfunctional as I am. This is going to be great. Yeah. I, I did not know how to relationship. That's for sure. But now I have a more of an understanding. I'm not saying I'm opposed to it, but I know yeah. that I have a very high standard today. Good. And you should, we all should. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so important. How has your life changed since you become sober? Oh God. And I, I'm, you know what? The most important thing, and I wrote an article about this is that my kids can trust me. I can trust myself. I don't, you know, I was never a bad person. I was just a hurt person. I was a traumatized child who grew up into an adult carrying all those things with me in the future. And today I just, I have, I have freedom. I have mental clarity. I have emotional sobriety. I have opportunities. I have an opportunity to make an impact. I have connection. I have my own house. I mean, I, I just, so many gifts of recovery and I've got a car that works. Yeah. (laughs) I maintain my car. I've got food in the fridge and you know, I try, I try to keep it. I try to keep a gratitude list of the basics. And of course, trust me, I want more. I want more money. I want more influence. I want more connection. I want to travel. I want to, you know, got this great like image board here, manifestation. Like I have high hopes and dreams, but I actually have 
the confidence and the courage and the wisdom to put some steps together to be able to achieve those dreams. And I never had that before. I was always a parallel to myself. Like I saw this woman that I wanted to become, but I was so distant over here because of drinking and trauma that I could never merge the two together. So now I'm like, I've merged yeah. and become one with myself and you know so I mean I could just I could talk for another 50 minutes about how grateful I am like just <laughs> I love that you know, well here's the thing the other day yeah, yeah and you we I have a forgetter you know I have all this valuable wisdom in my head and sometimes I still forget sometimes I wake up in a pity party or you know why me life sucks uh, I can't do this anymore I mean how am I supposed to start a business and how am I supposed to do all this and you know, limit, lack mentality, poverty consciousness, like those still creep in. I'm not saying I'm perfect and I have it all yeah. together. I'm saying that I have the tools to pull myself out of the shithole, <laughs> you know, like yeah. when I go down the rabbit hole, I can pull myself out. Yeah, of course. It's progress, never perfection. I love that. Yeah. Very, very right, Krista. <laughs> what message or life lesson have you learned from your own recovery that you can share with others? Learn to love yourself. Mm-hmm. I mean, And I also want to talk about forgiveness. Like many counselors wanted me to forgive the people who hurt me. And I understand the philosophy of that. And I can do that. I don't know if you know the Hona Ona Ponono prayer, which is, I'm sorry, please forgive me. I love you. Thank you. I had to do that on myself because when counselors said, you know, you just got to really forgive, you got to move on. My wounds were still so fresh and I was still so hurt Mm -hmm. and so mad and pissed off and angry that just the mere thought of somebody telling me I need to forgive my abusers, including my mother, who was like one of the worst ones and my, you know, parts of my family, I, I, I couldn't do that. And that set me back many times. And in counseling before I got sober, that would send me back out drinking because I was victimized. I felt victimized. Like you have no idea. So the most important thing I learned in recovery through trauma informed care is that the, the person that you need to forgive is yourself because being children and teenagers that are wounded reacting to our life situations, I needed to forgive myself for, for really just stepping into what I was taught. So the most important thing is forgive yourself, forgive yourself for what you didn't know, love yourself, connect deeply with yourself. And then only then and when only when you're ready, you forgive the people who hurt you, for you not because it lets them off the hook but for you for your own wisdom for your own healing for your own journey forward because carrying that anger and resentment is like poison yeah but i think that's very important for people that are just starting out in recovery um and just learning to you know get more in touch with themselves and and learn about feelings and emotions and triggers is that the most important person in your recovery is you i think that's very important to tell people because i hear that a lot that's so true yeah no forgiveness is huge and it it really does set you free from that prison yeah it took a long time to learn that and it i I forgived myself but i'm still struggling to forgive others yeah. And that's why I think the Hona Ono Pnono prayer is really good. It's a Hawaiian prayer. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Okay. I love you. Mm-hmm. And thank you. And what I do is I write, like I just did this with the new moon and the new years. I wrote my mom's name and my dad and the people of my family who I felt that hurt me or weren't there for me or my cries went unheard. Mm-hmm. And this was just for me. And what it does is that you don't have to go to the, that person because my mom, I don't even think I, I don't know. I feel that she might have to like pass on before I can have that relationship because it was several years of wounding. So as in being, you know, Krista, let me tell you, me being a mom and being so loving and so connected and so for my children, it makes how she treated me so much harder to stomach because I couldn't, like I look at my daughters at six, they're 19 and 17. They still live here with me. I love it. I look at their precious faces and their adorable, like their souls and who they've become. And I'm like, how could she do that to me? So I did this for her and I, and this creates a powerful, energetic, loving, healing vibration without even having to talk to her. Because sometimes those people 
can't find their way back into your lives you know that's just for me that that's for me no it reminds me of the relationship I have with my adopted mom it's like so hotter now and so anything to help you know fix that relationship would be amazing but she is in her 80s you know she's older and she has I feel like so much trauma that she hasn't dealt with in like 80 years you know so and that's why that I did the Hona Ona Pinona because I knew I wanted to take root out that emotional pain that I still carry yeah and it 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 really does help I mean and I'm also like I take medicine you know I had I had a panic attack last night I have to take that when it's needed came out of left field but now I know how to deal with it but when I get my panic attacks I think I'm going to die so it's that it's you know it's up there but also I feel that there's a you know there's no chemical solution to a spiritual problem Mm-hmm. that's with alcohol and drugs but I also know there's spiritual solutions for spiritual problems and that was one that I felt like I really needed God to take and I felt like saying that prayer put it right into God's hands God's basket and God could take it from there so that's why I say that so I forgot okay. what your original question was because oh, I okay. like to talk <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the message or what was your message or like lesson and you yeah. answered it I love yeah that. forgiveness Just, you know and loving yourself and and progress, not perfection. Yeah, I beat exactly. myself up for years because I thought I wasn't worthy. I wasn't good enough. Um, I needed to be more proactive. Yeah. I needed to stay busy, but that was my trauma. Mm-hmm. Now I can actually be nice to myself. And if I need a day to recover or heal, I'll just watch something or read something or go to the beach or yeah. eat a whole thing of Talenti raspberry cheesecake ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> gelato I mean I, whatever that looks like to me now you know yeah whatever. just have permission to, to do what you need to do to treat yourself like royalty I love that do you have a favorite recovery quote or saying oh yes um, I mean you, you, you already told me one but <laughs> well first of all in my book I have like they're all over the place so I actually have like 30 in here (laughs) but I actually wrote one down um rock bottom became the solid foundation in which I built my future and that's from JK Rowling oh wow and she's sober I didn't oh yeah wow all these people are coming out Brene Brown sober JK Rowling um you know I'm not really into the sober sober celebrity thing yeah but yeah JK Rowling's rock bottom became the solid foundation in which I built my future wow that's amazing or built my life that's my favorite. That's one of my favorites because when I hit rock I feel bottom, like, I feel like you have to hit rock bottom. I really do. Yeah. And like I said, like I've had, I've actually gotten into some pretty heated discussions with people. Yeah. Um, it's, it doesn't, you know, there's everybody has, like I said, my it's rock different. bottom yeah. was repeating familial patterns of abuse and the neglect. Yeah. Or alcoholism. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I never yeah. abused or neglected my kids, but if I right. were no. drinking, you damn know I would have. Something worse could have happened, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. I could I could have endangered their lives or somebody else's. Can you give some sober advice to the listeners and to the audience if they are sober curious, if they're struggling in their active addiction, or if they're in recovery? Advice? I don't like to give advice. I like to make suggestions. <laughs> yeah, that works. <laughs> um, it, it says it all on a recovery coin, and I wish I had... Oh look at this this oh does it what well, yeah does whether oh nope look right here to thine own self be oh, true okay. I don't have a... right. yeah. yeah to thine own self be true yeah. whatever your healing modality is whatever you need to do to heal within whatever path you take not everybody likes aa there's also something called smart recovery which is based on rap on the rebt and the cbdt Uh, which is cognitive behavioral therapy and rational emotive behavioral therapy. There are many different ways, many different paths to recovery, whether it's, you know, sober curious or full on sobriety. I just know that each person has to take the path that works the best for them. It's a very personal experience. I had to do what was best for me. I've met many, many people along the way, alternative healing, alternative therapies, meditation, Um, I'm very intuitive. So I have to, you know, I'm also working to really enhance that so I can be of service more. That's the number one suggestion that I would make. Uh, The second is learn to love and honor and value who you are as a person, despite your flaws, despite your setbacks, everybody, you know, we all have this amazing opportunity to be who we were born to become. 
So don't hate yourself or steal yourself. Don't, don't take away your own joy because of somebody else's false beliefs or interpretations about who you are as a person. Learn more about yourself, create your own path and know that like each one of us is a shining light and God loves us. And if you don't believe in God, then whatever you do believe in, just know that that powerful, loving, energetic vibration. I mean, we're all here for a purpose. We don't know what it is. We might not ever figure it out, but just like that, uh, what is that cooler, warmer game? Just go to what feels warm to you. Go to what warms your heart. Stay away from what doesn't feel good. And don't ever do anything you don't want to do. <laughs> ever. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't want to go to work. I don't want to do, do gardening. I don't want to do dishes. You, know, you got to do that right. stuff. But when a spiritual boundary or something that feels wrong, just don't do it. Listen to the inner wisdom. Wow. <laughs> 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 no, that's you too, me. Krista. I, I feel the same way. <laughs> what are you most grateful for today? I think you already mentioned it earlier. The my children, how they stood by me, how they they watched me cry, they watched me break down, they watched me. We were talking the other day, like well, somebody gave kitchen chairs, <laughs> and the leg fell off, but it was like broken. And I'm like, well, I don't have any chairs, I'll take it. But when I went to sit down, this is like when I just moved in here, early recovery, I experienced my first panic attack. I was a raw nerve, and I sat in it, and it like snapped, and I kind of fell over. Oh. But I became enraged, and I picked up the chair, I took it outside, and I like smashed it in a million pieces. <laughs> I came inside, and they were like oh my God, what did you do? And I'm like, I don't know, but that like, now they have things called break rooms and smash rooms. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, I was doing that therapy, but I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm really grateful in the past like three to four months, the anger finally left. Yeah. Like, That's I don't, so I just don't have that anymore. And as much wow. as I can get way off course or I can get afraid of the future or, you know, you think of all these things, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? I have so many goals and I'm so inspired to do all these things. And I start to get ahead of myself. I can still come home again and know that, you know, to myself. And when I look at my kids, when they've seen me go through all of that, they actually repeat back to me what I've been telling them for all these years. So this program of recovery not only changed my life, but it's changed their life because they know that there's another way to live. And then they, they mimic back, they pair it back to me, the things that I've told them when they've been struggling. So my daughters just went out the other day. I graduated, like I said, and yeah. you know, they're like my biggest supporters and they got me cupcakes and flowers. And I was just like, you might've seen it on Instagram. I was like, oh my God, like my daughter. But I've, I've, you know, with help raised, uh, the village of recovery has mm -hmm. just given me so many tools that I could impact their life and you know like mm -hmm. much like you and your fiance yeah, it stops it stops mm -hmm. here like i'm not wait. kidding yeah, I can't no joke experience that. <laughs> yeah so i just you know i just love them and I, I love that i can actually wake up in the morning and i can feel at peace i can be peaceful and i can actually snuggle into the covers with my cats and mm -hmm. you know just the other day i really experienced the now mm -hmm. And that was like, wow, how did I get here? Serenity. Yeah. Oh, great word. Exactly what I was looking for. Serenity. This is so amazing. I could talk to you for forever. Yeah. <laughs> so and maybe you know, I'll have you on again. We can talk yeah. about like other things. Yeah. Um, well, as I get as I get more into the hypnotherapy, mm -hmm. I really it's, you know, and even, you know, with my book helping these uh girls who have been through um you know, these horrible situations, like mm -hmm. I'll keep you updated on that. And, um, I'm doing a workshop for abundance and empowering, you know, those who have been through trauma and addiction, because I feel, I still think a lot of us struggle with, I'm not enough or I'm not worthy or what I want, mm -hmm. you know, is not available to me. So I'm going to do a workshop and then you get a free abundance journal with it. So that's what I'm working on right now. Awesome. To help really yeah. embrace, eradicate the mental poverty and mm -hmm. like the, the poverty consciousness and the, the lack mentality, because I, I carried a lot of that over from my oh, yeah. childhood. Well, keep me updated. That sounds yeah. interesting. Where can everybody find your book to buy it? Is it it's on Amazon? Is it anywhere else? It's on Amazon, okay. Barnes and Noble. Okay. And I'm actually having my website redone right now. So okay. there will be a direct link to it. And then I'll hook up my store to that. 
I'll be offering um, some really cool specials for uh, life coaching, the program I'm creating, and then also the uh, workshop that I'm going to be doing. And my, I'm going to do a, a really great special for um, the hypnotherapy. Well, thank you for coming on my show. It was a pleasure having you and talking with you. And I could really relate to it a lot. So, you know, thank you. I feel like so much lighter after this conversation. I feel so honored. I, I think you're beautiful and oh, I love you. watching you. And I'm honored that you asked me to, you know, share with you today. So uh, thank you very much. Yeah. It's always an honor and a privilege for me to be able to show up just to, to share yeah. my two cents. Thank you. <laughs> it was an honor to have you on. Thank you, Krista. Okay. Thank you very much. Have you're a great welcome. day. You're beautiful. Thank you. <laughs>